Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Many are using the term epidemic to describe the current problem of drug and or alcohol abuse in the United States. Virtually everyone we know has been negatively impacted by this problem. Yet for so many that are experiencing the devastating effects of drug and or alcohol abuse, they don't know who to turn to for help. Who can we trust to care for our loved ones? Transformations Treatment Center is one of the most respected, ethical, and professional drug and alcohol treatment centers in the world with a strong focus on individualized care, offering a wide range of holistic, specialized, and medically supervised treatment programs. We know that many of you have questions. Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or go online to transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from Houston, we have... Rania Mancurius on the phone from Crime Stoppers, and she is a lawyer and a crime fighter without a doubt. Thanks so much for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. Very much appreciated. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. When I say crime fighter, people automatically assume that you're a prosecutor, you're a cop, you're something like that. You are a lawyer originally from Boston, I'm going to say, in the Boston area. Yes, born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. That's right. And so now you're in Houston, and you are the CEO of Houston Crime Stoppers, which, by the way, a lot of people mistakenly think that Crime Stoppers is just a tip line for you know getting rid of bad guys or reporting bad guys, which it does that, but it does so much more. Am I wrong? You're absolutely correct, actually. One of the biggest challenges I had when I took over Crime Stoppers in 2013 was helping people understand that we are more than a tip line. And when I say that, I'm not trying to discount the tip line. The tip line is incredibly valuable. We've solved thousands and thousands of felony, violent felony cases. Actually, some of the biggest cases that have spanned this country because tipsters have called us anonymously and given us critical information. Uh, But a lot of people say, well, that's great. But, you know, tip line doesn't really matter to me i'm never going to call it never going to use it don't it's for somebody else a different time a different day it has nothing to do with us and i say but wait a minute crime stoppers is more than that our mission is to solve and prevent crime and we believe that prevention can be achieved through education so we are boots on the ground we've been in the schools in 1997, well before school safety was a national hot topic. We're in communities and businesses and neighborhood centers. We are everywhere the community is talking about crime trends and 
and, and tips and tactics so you can keep yourself proactively safe. And when people started to realize that, um, the value of the organization really, really rose, and we've become an integral part of, of our community and actually many communities across this country. And I want to address something. The, the, the tip line aspect of this, there are people out there who are reluctant to call a tip line, a Crime Stoppers, because they mistakenly think, well, I don't want to put someone in jail for just a suspicion. I want people to understand this. Being in my police career, when you get tips, you still have, it's an investigative tool. You still have to do an investigation to prove whether the person did it or not. Every tip that comes in isn't accurate, isn't true. So I don't want people to have the misconception that I don't want to do something because I don't want to throw someone in jail based on my suspicion. It takes us far more than that. Oh, yeah. And when you're calling Crime Stoppers anonymously, you're dealing with seasoned investigators who know what to ask, who know what information law enforcement are looking for and um, can figure out if somebody's giving a false tip or, uh, you know, there's no merit. So people say all the time, but wait a minute, you're in the schools. You let like high school kids call the tip line and share information on each other. And what if they just don't like somebody? I said, well, we're, we've been doing this for a very long time. And the only way a tip rises to the merit of doing something is if it's been thoroughly investigated. And we're dealing with um, law enforcement, the school community, we're dealing with family members, we are dealing with school counselors, we are doing more than just taking the tip on tip value. And I want to thank you, first of all, for doing that. And people if you suspect something, please call. If it turns out to be nothing, that's great. I always, and this is something that's drilled into me when I was a rookie police, always trust your instincts. Your God-given, nature-given, whatever you believe in, if something makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and say, that's just not right, do something about it. If you're wrong, you can always apologize later on. And this applies to, I have two daughters, I have four sisters, my mom, and one of the things I taught early on in police work was uh, preventing sexual assault is if something makes you feel uncomfortable, do something about it. Don't ignore it. Absolutely. And, you know, we say that all the time when we're talking to young women walking around campus. If you feel like there's something not right about the person walking behind you, you know, don't feel like, oh, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to insult people. If you get um, that message on social media as a young girl that says, hey, you're cute, you know, send me a picture. These young girls today will say, well, I didn't want to be rude. I just didn't want to, didn't want to make the person feel like a creep or make them think I was, you know, prude or young, too silly. But, you know, we have to talk over and over and over again to girls of all ages and boys yeah. about what they need to do to per- to proactively protect themselves because listen they are being raised and they are living in a world that is far different than anything you and i even remotely experienced when we were growing up so these conversations are they're just growing every year when i was a youngster when i was a young boy a teenager if I was out of line with any women, they had no problem telling me I was rude and a creep. They had absolutely no problem. <laughs> and I don't blame them one bit. That's how you learn. It, it was, we have, we've gotten to a point, and I don't say this to be mean, but so many people, they report that I was a victim of a horrible crime. And then they say, there's something about the guy that made me uncomfortable, but I was afraid to say something. I didn't want to be yeah. the one with the fault. Listen if you're wrong you can always say hey look my bad i'm sorry you can't undo what's been done we've had so many people that are victims of horrible assaults 
uh, disfiguring, permanently disfiguring assaults that are murdered, kids being abused. I've heard it with kids, their parents saying, well, you know, I, something about so-and-so just wasn't right, but hey, we just uh, we, we decided to ignore it for whatever reason. Yeah, and that's the culture we need to change. And listen, if you feel uncomfortable and you speak up and you're wrong, the person that you were worried about should actually say, look, I'm sorry, I didn't mean... You know, they shouldn't be offended and insulted. They should say, yeah, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to make you feel that way. Thank you for directing me. I've, I'm learning, you know. And, and that's what we have to realize. We've all got to be on the same page. When I talk about public safety, for a long time, people say, well, you're just paranoid. You're just paranoid. Or public safety, you know, that's, I don't, I mean, that's what police are for. I'm not really worried about that. I'd rather focus my attention on, like, homelessness or hunger, um, you know, people across overseas, global warming. And I said, look, all of that noble, great, wonderful causes. But public safety goes to the very fabric of your life and how you live and operate. And yes, we are so thankful for our law enforcement partners, but they're called after a crime's been committed. You know, it's up to us to keep each other safe proactively. And our law enforcement in Houston, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, it's one of the best in the country. We, I feel very blessed. Uh, you know, we have an incredible sheriff, we have an incredible chief, and we have a great, great, great law enforcement community, and they are very proactive. But at the same time, their resources are cut thin, and they've got to reserve their efforts to be there when a violent crime or a crime has been committed. Um, it's up to us as community members to be proactive and think about keeping ourselves safe before crime can take place. Ever find yourself in a situation where you can't listen to the whole Law Enforcement Today show? Never fear. Past episodes are available online as a podcast, and you can listen for free. That's right. The Law Enforcement Today podcast is free. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast, or simply go to letradioshow.com and click the Be Heard tab. We're talking with Rania Mancarius. She is the CEO of Crime Stoppers of Houston. This is Law Enforcement Today show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Military veterans, law enforcement officers, and all other first responders are prone to the same diseases as everyone else, including substance abuse, alcoholism, and addiction. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center is for our heroes. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online help at helpforourheroes.com. Be sure to like them on Facebook. Search for Help for Our Heroes. One of the most frequent questions we see is, where can I find great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Yes, we do. So we decided to start our own podcast network on Law Enforcement Today. That's right. You can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app. Go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the LET Podcast Network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the Law Enforcement Today podcast network, go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu or download our free app today at letradioshow.com. This portion of the show brought to you by Mr. James Mather of Synergy Financial. 
Are you looking for ways to increase your financial stability in future? If you're interested in earning more and working with families to help protect their income and future, head to MrJamesMather.com. That's spelled M-R-J-A-M-E-S-M-A-T-H-E-R.com. Again, get free information about this great opportunity at MrJamesMather.com. I'm joined by Rainia Mancorius from... Houston Crime Stoppers. She's the CEO. She's also a lawyer, and you originally from Boston area. Somehow or another, you made the move to Houston, and then you decided a few years ago, I'm going to get involved in Crime Stoppers. How exactly does that happen? Well, it's an interesting story. I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. My parents were immigrants. They'd always sit around the table and say, look, if you and your sister um, had been living, and my parents came from Cairo, and they said, if you had been living in Cairo, your lives could be very, very different. We're, you know, two Christian girls, and um, you should be very thankful we immigrated to, to New England, to, to America in general. What is going to be your purpose? How will you contribute? And that always really resonated with me. And for us, conversations around the di- dinner table, all this kind of lived around public safety, um, ideology, public health, those things, you know, moved the needles in certain parts of the world. People lived and died for their faith. They, they killed for their faiths in certain parts of the country and, and, and of the globe. So I just was always interested in that. And I grew up in Boston, said, you know, I want to do something. I got a master's degree in marriage and family therapy. I always believed that people were a product of their environment, a product of their family. And then I went on to law school. But I met my husband. He was doing his residen- residency at Mass General, and he was a diehard Texan. And I'll tell you, there was no place he was going to live but Texas. So I ended up coming to Houston and didn't know what to do, but I found a nonprofit by the name of Crime Stoppers of Houston that was looking for a lawyer with marketing and media experience, and I and I really had that in abundance, and I walked in the door, knew nothing about it other than that the name was odd, the website at the time was really bad, but as I sat there across the executive director of the time, Catherine Cavanis, this incredible woman, I really was moved by her talking about the mission, and really what it came down to was all of us wanting to contribute to the the health and and safety of our environment. And I just fell in love with it. She said, I only have an internship, $10 an hour. You're way overqualified. You owned a business in Boston. You're an attorney with a master's degree. And I said, look, I I love it. It's everything I've ever talked about around the dinner table growing up. And and if if you're willing to have me, I'll take it. And so that was 2006, and I've never left. So I've been there ever since. You know, everybody starts where they're at. I automatically thought of this, Rainey, is that when I went and got hired by the police department, I was actually kind of shocked. The Baltimore Police Department hired me. I'm like, I was a 20-year-old kid. What did I know? I didn't know anything. I just knew this is something I wanted to do. I thought I had an idea what it would be like, just like you. You had a a motivation. Look, someone's got to do something. Instead of saying, let's find someone else and I'll get busy doing this, you took it upon yourself to start making changes. It's what I think we all have to do and what our kids have to do. And, you know, I've, I've seen so many parents. I've watched them. We go in, we try to talk about, you know, the safety of your children online or whatever. Fill in the blank. And they'll say, oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not really worried about that. I live in a great area. I have great kids. Their friends are tremendous. Or they go to a private school. And I, and I try to say none of that matters. And then the second something happens, you see those same families raise the alarm, say, where was the police? Where was the school? Why didn't anybody protect us? And it's always somebody else's fault. And I'm, our position is, look, 
It's not about being paranoid. It's about being smart. Right. And it's about taking public safety into your own hands. And there's nothing wrong with that. We think about health every day. Everybody's super health conscious. We want to eat foods to prevent cancer. We want to do anti-aging for our faith. We want to live longer. Why is it wrong to think about public safety? It's the same thing. Know what's going on. Know what you can do to keep yourself safe proactively and implement it. And it's super easy and it's not a big deal and we all should do it. And as you start to think about it differently, you realize that everybody cares about these issues. They just don't know how to embrace them. And I think some people are embarrassed to say they care about them because they're, they're more wrapped yes. up in things you mentioned earlier, you know, hunger, uh, global warming, whatever it might be. All those things are important. Uh, and without arguing the validity of those points, there's nothing more important than your own personal safety and the safety of your family. I, I'm a father, first and foremost. And you know, I think one of the things I can really relate to you about is you come from a family of immigrants and personal safety was more of an issue for them where they came from than here in the United States. And somehow or another we, we become like homogenized and people forget about things like, hey, you have an obligation to make sure your family's okay. You have an obligation to make sure they're safe doesn't mean be vigilante it means a lot of other things yeah and in this environment especially where you know things have changed i mean crime across this country is changing social media has changed the landscape for kids all over this country the very notion of law enforcement has changed in terms of the rhetoric and how it's addressed I mean, the bail reform, and we, that's like a whole other conversation for a different day, mm-hmm. but it's absolutely changed crime rates across this country. So it's, a, it's incumbent upon us to really understand these issues and, and to figure out where we will fit in as a solution, as a part of the solution. It's, it's important. One of the things, we can't solve every crime that happens. As a cop, I can tell you, there's nothing more frustrating than not being able to solve a crime a violent crime uh, where someone uh, lost their life or was or permanently disfigured. And it was even worse when it was a stranger on stranger crime, much harder to solve. But it's much easier to prevent crime than it is to solve crimes that have already occurred. Agreed. Agreed. And that's our whole position. You would be surprised how many crimes are crimes of opportunity. And it's not to say we ever blame the victim. It's that we recognize the strategies of the criminal and we want other people to understand those strategies so that you your children your neighborhoods your schools your families your businesses uh, just you know the animals the elderly in your life the kids whatever they understand how they can you know see the signs of being a target and say no 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 not today not me and really turn things around and look we see that every day we see people call and say you know i never really listened to this stuff but now that i do i'm starting to understand I saw the signs of somebody actually grooming my child online. Um, Or I noticed, you know, uh, somebody sort of coming around the neighborhood over and over and over again. And sure enough, we realized that our cars are being broken into, but we start to position cameras a certain way. So we were able to get information or we put up signage that put people on notice that we were a public safety minded community. Again, it's not being paranoid. You know, you'll never hear us say, keep your kids at home. Don't go out, um, you know, shop only online. The world's coming to an end. No, we're the opposite. Go out, live your life, do everything you want to do. Trust your neighbor, trust your friends. 
but be public safety minded and protect your kids, protect your welfare, your interests, because, and not just yours, but that of your neighbors, your family and others in your community. How would that ever be a negative? For us, it's just a, a win-win for everybody. It is certainly not a negative. We're talking with Rania Mancorius. She is the CEO of Houston Crime Stoppers, also a therapist, a lawyer. And we're going to talk about, when we return from break, a couple incidents that have made profound changes, not just on her, not just on Crime Stoppers, but on me and probably you as well. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Remember in the beginning when you first started to build a life for you and your family? You never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you. Now there's a way you can take back control with one simple call. If you owe $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you qualify to receive a free, no-obligation consultation on how to get rid of that debt for good. Call the Debt Helpline now. We work on your behalf to reduce your debt. We specialize in credit cards, retail store cards, and medical bills. One simple call is all it takes to get the ball rolling to a debt-free life. Stop living with debt and start living your dreams. Call the Debt Helpline now. 800-709-4389-800-709-4389-800-709-4389. That's 800-709-4389. place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. Return conversation with Rania Mancurius, CEO of Houston Crime Stoppers. I'm always afraid I'm going to butcher your name. If I do, I apologize. <laughs> it's not intentional. I remember, for those who... who are listening. It took a long time going through the police academy to get used to carrying a gun. It's something we did later on in our academy career. And then when I retired from law enforcement, after a while, I became used to not carrying one. I didn't carry one ever again until an incident occurred in Connecticut at Sandy Hook Elementary School, the massacre there. That changed me. I remember watching the news about that, Arania, and thinking, my wife, number one, is from Connecticut originally. And if I were driving down the street and saw something like that, I would be one of those people that would go in, armed or not. And the thought that I couldn't help those children if I was in that scenario because I was unarmed bothered me deeply. And I've ever since then done all the paperwork that I'm supposed to have and am armed all the time, or most of the time, I should say. That event had a profound effect on you as well, didn't it? It really did. I'll never forget sitting on the couch that day, December 14th, 2012, and seeing the breaking news out of Newtown, Connecticut. Um, 20-year-old Adam Lanza shot 26 people, 20 children between 6 and 7 years old. I had a 5-year-old at the time with three little kids, actually. And I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that those little kids, what were they doing that day? Coloring. It was, you know, right before the Christmas holiday, making cookies. It 
it's like the greatest time. The school smells nice. Everybody's cheery. It's just the best time. And to think of that moment, I couldn't bear it. And it was, I was not the executive director of Crime Stoppers of Houston. I became the executive director about three months after that date. And when I did so, the board sat me down and they spoke, here's some of the big initiatives for us. We have a school program. We want you to build the first ever Crime Stoppers headquarters anywhere in the world, blah, 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 blah. I said, look, I'm going to do all of it. But when I look at the school program, we need to expand it. Our kids today are not going to school in the same environment in which we all did when we were younger. I mean, the fact that these 20 kids had just lost their lives and the way that they did it was so overwhelming to me. We had traditionally been in middle schools and high schools talking to kids about the tip line, telling them, hey, call us if you know there's going to be gang activity, gun violence, drugs on you know, for sale at school. And they were calling us. They were calling us anonymously in record numbers, and we were doing incredible things. But we knew we needed to expand the program, and we needed to expand it to kindergartners. And, of course, we weren't going to be telling six-year-olds or five-year-olds to call the tip line. But we knew we needed to change the community message. And we started working on that March 2013. Today, we run the largest safe school institute, nonprofit safe school institute in the state of Texas. We've been asked by Governor Abbott following the Sandy Hook, uh, the, the Santa Fe school shooting, excuse me, to train all crime stoppers across the state of Texas. We've removed over almost 300 weapons from Houston area schools before before, before they could ever be used against another student because our program is so comprehensive. And we deal with every crime trend issue um, in an age-appropriate manner from, you know, respecting law enforcement, respecting community, to knowing your place in this in society, all the way up to teen dating violence, active shooters, gang activity, drugs, synthetic drugs, human trafficking, all of it. We cover all of it. And, you know, the nexus between untreated mental health and crime – we cover all of it, but very, very age-appropriate. Um, there's now a waiting list for this program. It's always free. And we've done reached 1.3 million kids through direct classroom by classroom presentation. Now we do everything virtually online. One of the, the silver linings of COVID, if there are any, is that we've been able to expand our reach. And a lot of that was inspired by that horrific activity that took place in Newtown, Connecticut. My hat's off to you doing that. This is Crime Stoppers we're talking about, this doing these things. And I I gotta admit, my ignorance, I never thought that Crime Stoppers was doing these things. This is just one of many initiatives you have. It really is, and a lot of people don't know. You know, for a long time Crime Stoppers we thought about the tipster and we've got to keep them anonymous. We never know who they are. You know, we don't keep them. We've never known who they are from the moment they call us to the moment they drive off with their cash. We've never known who they are. So we've kept our message really, really quiet because we didn't want the tipsters to ever think we were loud or in this. But I said, guys, that's, that, we're, that's a different audience. Our tipsters know. We never know who they are. They, when they call us, we don't ask their information. We've been doing this for years, you know, decades. But we've got to get the message out on the proactive work we do in communities. We have a safe school institute. We have a safe community program. We are extremely proactive in these communities and and talking about these issues. And the number of kids we've protected proactively, and that's working with school districts, with law enforcement, with district attorneys, with mental health counselors, with programs, unbelievable programs. Now we partner with Safe and Sound Schools, which was started by two of the moms who lost two of their daughters at this, this Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. I mean, we have tremendous partners that see the value of our work and say, you know, we're going to we're gonna combine forces. We'll combine resources where we can. We'll extend each other's reach because kids need it today. I mean, they're dealing with 
physical threats. They're dealing with online threats. They're dealing with not just drugs. Now there's synthetic drugs. I mean, there's the the online solicitation of minors is up by 93% this year. They're not just bullied on the school ground. They're cyber bullied. They're cyber stalked. They're harassed. I mean, the the incidence of inappropriate student-teacher relationships has gone up exponentially. I mean, I, it's it's overwhelming to think about what our children deal with. And so we are very, very proud to be boots on the ground. Again, always age-appropriate. Age we have some schools say, oh, we don't know if we want these conversations in our schools. And they bring us in, and then sure enough, they'll say, we want you back in every single classroom. And we will. We'll do as much as we can do. Of course, we are a small nonprofit, but we care so much about the well-being of our of our children. I wish we didn't have to have these conversations with children. I wish we didn't have to I have know. these situations in schools. But deep down inside, one of the things that my wife and I have discussed many times when we talk about Sandy Hook is it's harder to get into a jail than it is to get into a school. We as a society protect our prison inmates more than we do our most valued possession which are our children yeah i remember i was once invited to speak at the federal reserve bank and i was so intrigued by how difficult it was to get into that building i mean you couldn't drive your car through you couldn't go to the front door you couldn't get into the second door and you i look at my children's school and i could throw my shoe through the front window and gain entry um and that's not a fault the fault of the schools it's that no who thought that anybody would ever want to harm our children they're yeah. they're soft targets i, I, I know agree that this has been going on not to the same frequency as we've gone through the last 20 30 years but it's been going on since the turn of the 1900s we had people yes. firebombing schools i believe it was in minnesota where they locked all the kids in school and set it on fire. We've had all kinds of things done for people with weird, sick thinking, motivation, whatever terminology people want to use, sick is a good one because no right-minded person would do that. But that doesn't mean their threat is any less dangerous than someone who's not sick. Absolutely, and that's why we push so hard in terms of how schools are built, new schools are built today, and they marry the the environment with the academic well-being with the safety you know we don't want kids to feel like they're going into um, the federal reserve bank or a prison but we do want them to know that once they're in there they're secure and it's not scary it's not about being scared they're not you know we don't want them to feel frightened when they go to school but we do want them to be secure because they are the most valuable things we have I tell people this, it's radically different from when I was a kid, but I remember being a kid in Norfolk, Virginia, going to school, and we had nuclear bomb drills. So, yeah, different yeah, things yeah. going on, And but the threats that's being faced nowadays, not just our school children, but children in general, I think it defies explanation and imagination for a lot of us. We're talking with Rainia Man. Curious, CEO of Houston Crime Stoppers. You can listen to the show as a podcast for free. That's right, 100% free. Just go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, you'll find us there. Or do a Google search for a Law Enforcement Today podcast. Be sure to subscribe today. Remember, it's free. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. people and their families suffer from the devastating effects of substance abuse, addiction, and or alcoholism. World-class help and assistance is available at Transformations Treatment Center. Recovery starts with a phone call. Call Transformations Treatment Center at 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or for more information, go online to transformationstreatment.center. 
Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603 That's 800-451-8603 Return our conversation with Rania Mancurius, she is a therapist, also a lawyer, and CEO of Crime Stoppers of Houston, Texas. By the way, I've only visited Texas a couple times. I've got to get down there. There's some phenomenal law enforcement people, some great people down there. And it, when I was younger, I always had this thing. You can tell your your husband that the thing about bigger in Texas and there's not a place like Texas. I used to always get a little jealous and angry. Not so much anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big thing about Texas. Everything is bigger in Texas, and everything is "quote unquote" better in Texas. But I think we find great things wherever we are across there the country. There are, but we do have incredible law enforcement. You do, and one of the things that I find odd before we turn to our conversation about what Crime Stoppers is doing is, or not odd, but interesting, is we talk about American history being taught in elementary school, and so many people I've met from Texas say, oh yeah, we learn about American history, but we learned about Texas history first. And I was like, that's a big difference. You being from Boston, it probably wasn't like that, was it? No, and I kept telling my husband, my gosh, they've been doing Texas history every year at elementary school. When do they do the other stuff? And he said, I don't know. That's how I, that's how I, that's what I did. I don't know because he grew up here too. It is interesting. I keep hearing about the Alamo every single year. I'm relearning about the Alamo. There's a lot of pride in Texas. And, and rightfully so. Uh, one of the things that you guys are doing, everyone knows Crime Stoppers as the tip line. And that's a very important part of what they do. But I was shocked and surprised until my conversation with you, some of the different initiatives and programs you have involved. And a lot of what you're doing is involving preventing crime, but in particular, what we're discussing today, preventing crime against children. It's a big part of what we do, and it's the heartbeat of sort of our organization. Believe it or not, we're a lot of women that run the nonprofit organization, and we recognize that kids make up a large pool of victimization, not just kids, but animals, the elderly. We care about our homes. We care about our businesses. You know, I always say this is where we live. This is where we raise our children. This is where we send them to school. This is where our homes and businesses are, where our investments are, where we plan to retire. So it's incumbent upon us to care about the health and safety, the wellness, the well-being of everybody that calls Houston home. And we feel this way about every major city, every rural area, every suburb across the country, because we know the people there feel the same way. And you became aware of some criminal activity involving children and camp situations. Yeah, I'll tell you, I was approached about five years ago by a, a mom whose son 
had been repeatedly um, molested, sexually assaulted in a very prominent Texas camp. And when she brought me the information, I said, I can't. And she, I said, what? I said, it's shocking. She said, it's not shocking at all. And then we started to do a deep dive. She said, you know, camps are one of the most unregulated sectors in our country. I said, no, it can't be. These are where kids go to sleep and they change and they swim and they, they don't have access to their parents. I mean, the only way that they communicate is they write letters. I said, there's no way. I'm sure they're stricter than schools when it comes to staff and oversight. And what we found that it was absolutely anything but that. There are any given summer, more than 14 million kids attend camp each year, but we discovered there are no national regulations some states have actually no requirement that overnight camps be licensed. So 18 states, maybe more, don't even have requirements for background checks on their employees, not to mention thousands. Some years we're looking at numbers of 20,000 camp counselors come in on J-1 visas from foreign countries where there's absolutely no way of vetting them. We've noticed that camps are in areas where they run local economy. They're usually in rural areas where they run everything. They focus on the environment, they focus on sanitation, that food is safe, and that structures are built to stand. But they're not looking at background checks. They use, they use a lot of counselors and trainings. They use a lot of people that come in for the summer and leave. There weren't necessarily policies and procedures in place for when a child made an outcry. No, no requirement that they keep a record of abuses or that they report the abuse to other family members, nothing. And sure enough, this mom and I working together found thousands of children of reports of rape, sexual assault, abuse and camps from coast to coast. And look, we love camps. This mom sends all of her kids to camp and has done so religiously and doesn't care if it's thousands of dollars every summer because they're such a enriching place for our children to be. But We've got to ensure that our kids are protected wherever they go, um, especially when they're sleeping in these facilities, whether it's a gymnastics camp, a regular summer camp, a day camp, whether it's school or a daycare center. We, we have to be really, really strategic, really, really intentional in making sure the laws are in place to protect our kids. And that just wasn't the case for camps. And so we worked hard to change the laws in Texas. Uh, we also worked with a representative, Brian Leneau, out of Connecticut to change the laws there because they're a state with no back, no requirements for background checks at all on employees for camps. And we're going to continue to work across the country to ensure that kids are safe when they go away to summer camp. So far, some of the states are receptive to what you have to say. Some are and some aren't. And it goes back to the camps run industries. And they are, you know, in counties where they pick the DA. They know who the sheriff is. They're the biggest donors to some of these camp, these campaigns. And for them, they're claiming that to have to run background checks is, is costly and timely. That sometimes they don't know their roster of um, employees uh, in enough time for them to actually sit and run background checks and that how what are they going to do are they going to run a background check just for the city for the state well what about these foreign counselors who come in from all over the world how are they going to vet those guys and it's just too cumbersome for them and i don't think that's an answer to be very honest i don't want i don't think so either so many yeah, of these people responsibility. Uh, they find a way to get themselves i'm talking about sexual predators with children they find a way to get themselves in an environment where they're around children a lot and they purposely seek them out it's 
and they do everything in their power to not stand out from the crowd. So doing something as simple as a background check, I mean, we do it for, I, I can't think of anything nowadays I, I don't need a background check for. Exactly, and we showed chat rooms and data on predator sites that say, guys, go to camps in the U.S. that you're not going to get checked there. That's a great place to have direct access to kids while they're sleeping in the shower, outside of the shower, changing in the water. I mean, and there were other things we noticed about how camps are run and regulated. You know, in Texas, there were certain rules that said, you know, two camp counselors have to be just in listening distance um, no more than 35 kids in a body of water. Well, think of, you know, 35 kids in a body of water with two camp counselors that are in listening distance. I mean, that's horrific guidelines. And, you know, we we as families, you know, you, you assume that the state is saying, oh, no, you know, we will make sure camps are vetted and that they're licensed and that there's a permit and that everybody, there's a back because these are our children. But it doesn't happen sometimes unless the constituents, unless we, the citizens, force these things to happen. And so we've been really loud and vocal about it and we'll continue to do so. Again, we don't hate camps. We love camps. We want to ensure that camps are a place where kids can go and thrive and do so safely. I have such great memories of camp, of Boy Scout camps. I, I never had anything bad happen to me. I, I know other people did or claim they did. But I want everyone to be able to have that opportunity that I had growing up. I think part of this is you're... you're you're forcing people to look at things that they wouldn't normally think of. And I'll be honest with you, this is a very eye-opening conversation about Crime Stoppers does. There's so much you do. And I'm sure, as you said, you're a nonprofit organization. How do people help? You know, we would love for people to follow us, Crime Stoppers of Houston. I'd love for people to follow me on social media. I'm at the Runya Report, only because my last name is so long and hard to say. Thank you. <laughs> so I thought the Runya. Thank you for people easier. like me because it's uh, I, yeah. I struggle with this. So that's R A N I A, right? It's R A N I A. Okay. And it's just the the Runya Report. And you know we give information out. That's what we do. And we need. We're measured by the number and the value of reach and the stretch and the shares. And so if people will follow us and share information, we'd be so thankful or just follow it, like it, read it, and just be there. And then, of course, we're a nonprofit, and we've had almost no donations come in this year. Uh, from It's been one of the busiest years we've ever had. We started dealing, you know, for those of you in the law enforcement community, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. We've been looking at the increase increases in crime due to felony bail reform. We then went straight to COVID and COVID scams. Um, we moved our entire program online for kids that we make create an entire virtual arm of our Safe School Institute to um, George Floyd's death and the defund police narrative and how dangerous those words are um, to being on the mayor's task force here in Houston to re- look at law enforcement um, to this election and to what all of it means for public safety. We have never been as busy as we are this year, but through it all, we've had almost no donations because of COVID. We've canceled all of our events. So, you know, we're praying for some donors to, to think of us before the end of the year. It's been a difficult year, um, but we're going to keep doing what we do because the work of Crime Stoppers of Houston um, reaches Houston, but it also reaches people across this country, and we're very thankful for it. And your website is crime-stoppers.org. Rania, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Thank you for having me. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind 
editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Got another great guest in your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.